It's the Beards of Blue Ridge, episode 52, Woo. 2022. Yep. New year, new me. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to make it rhyme different. New year, new you. New year, new us. New year, new we. Send them out. Didn't <laughs> heard. Talking about voting grandma off the podcast. Yeah. It's, it's getting crowded. It's too crowded. It's too crowded. Too many people. I don't have enough elbows. Do we space. have room for everybody's <laughs> resolution? That's true. Because if we don't, not if they actually, not if they actually stick get, to them, we let's don't. Let's get Graham's take on this. Not in the gym. You don't have enough room. <laughs> Oh, that's we're supposed to be encouragers, Graham. Yeah. yeah. I actually took a personality test recently, and I was an encourager. No, <laughs> I swear. I swear. I could you pull lied. it up. My personality was an encourager. You're not, though. <laughs> At heart, I'm yeah. not. At least in the gym, you know. That's my shadow. Uh, that's my mask or whatever. Self. Shadow self is an encourager. That's awesome. <laughs> I feel like uh, we're all wearing masks, and I feel like I can hear my beard. I can't hear you. Can you hear that? Yeah. It may be yeah. any one of our beards since we're the beards. Yeah, but we all have cloth. Well, no, we don't. You're the only one that's not going to be protected because they said cloth masks don't yeah. work. But that's, you know. That's, you <laughs> I know, feel right. like since I just had it, I should be able to take mine off. You're probably all right. I still got the cough, though. Double COVID. Yeah. How's everybody doing? Good. Yeah. I didn't get COVID in. <laughs> 2021 that you know of that was my end of year goal was to not try to because if i got covid then santa wouldn't come you know oh yeah right so then i was like just panicking. it's like passover i'll just pass right over the house <laughs> that's right that's but is, santa even, is he even susceptible to covid i mean he's magic um the santa that i know was susceptible and i don't feel like aka marcos just let me know now they didn't it wasn't me it was it was a, a family member it was santa I'm what just, are you talking about real santa. This, yeah there's no family member well, my daughter was like that's the real santa yeah and your daughter like, might yeah. listen to our podcast you gotta <laughs> yeah, be careful that's true that's true <laughs> but it made her it made her christmas so i was really happy that she got at least one where she got to see the real santa well, speaking of that, how was everyone's other? We know Todd had COVID, but how was yeah. everyone's? Uh, <laughs> how was everybody's Christmas, Christmas and New Year's? We didn't meet last week and talk last week, so I mean, we talked. We just didn't record yeah. anything. I had COVID. <laughs> hey, Brian, how are you? Todd had COVID. I didn't know that. Todd was dying of COVID. We did Christmas outside. We had our kids come over i moved the tree outside and all the presents outside and like put a little thing down so they could sit and open presents while That's we were cool. across the way it's definitely watching. it was definitely warm enough yeah it was sad though because my youngest daughter kept getting up trying to come hug us mm-hmm. like, no get back <laughs> back up yeah so that was that was different for sure mm-hmm. well that's cool at least yeah. you got that that's creative yeah, and then New Year's, New Year's, I uh, spent taking a um, somebody to the airport early morning, and you don't ever want to drive around Atlanta at two thirty-three in the morning on New Year's. I'll just give you a disclaimer: don't, don't do yeah. that. You described it as what, like, like kind of Grand Theft Auto. It was a war zone. No, <laughs> like, no joke. It was like, a war zone. I've never seen anything like it. 
probably 15 plus crashes. But I saw 40 cops. I mean, they were just, it was everywhere. There was yeah. no, no escaping it. It's like uh, playing Frogger, but you're in a truck trying to dodge <laughs> all the debris in the road. And I mean, it was insane. I've never seen anything like it. That's crazy. i tell you the best day. We, we traveled on New Year's Day, not in the middle of the night. And there was nobody on the road. It was, yeah. it was, it was pretty awesome. They were all in jail. For That's true. Right? <laughs> a hospital or whatever, yeah. <laughs> mess on 285 was in jail <laughs> new year's day the cops yeah. are like all right everyone's everyone who is in jail needs to be in jail so we're gonna go we're gonna go yeah we're good any arrest yeah which was great for our travel so that's awesome it's very good yeah we had a we had a good christmas i uh i spent it in the morning with my parents and my little brother and his wife and, and their two dogs and uh, then we went to uh, my older brothers and spent it with his family um and my niece and two, my my nephew and two nieces, and then back to my little brothers um, for dinner. And we had a giant Nerf war at one point in the, the afternoon outside because mm -hmm. it was you know sixty eight degrees yeah. and sunny on Christmas because we're in Georgia and things like that happened. Uh, it was awesome, you know. Had a good time and uh, New Year's was good. Took it easy for the most part. Just watched the ball drop and watched a very average Sandra Bullock movie on Netflix at one point. That everybody thought was amazing. And Which I one? Didn't get what it. Uh, the Unforgiving or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, I thought it was all right. Yeah, it was all, very all right. Yeah, it was very okay. I didn't yeah. think it was as great as everyone else said. I said. Yeah, yeah, but then again, it's not typically my genre. But I think the best part about the whole the whole deal for <laughs> me, for prison movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, you prison get movies. you get shanked for saying that about <laughs> yeah. Sandra Bullock in prison. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's God, true. That's, the way I'm living my life today is not the way that it used to be. So hopefully, I won't end up in prison. Um, I, hope, I, I hope you, you don't talk smack about Miss Congeniality or something like that. I actually have never seen that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's I've seen it. It's great. That you really have, was good. You yeah, have I seen that. Really yeah, it was really good. <laughs> it was good. It's like this general dude. If Sandra Bullock's in a movie, it's freaking amazing. Generally, like, she does good movies, and I, she did a good job. And the that end of it, I appreciated the twist at the end. And I thought that the end was good. But overall, I was like, God, that was two hours. I just, I well, they're trying to expose, I think, some of the issues with prison reform that need to happen. I think that's maybe why it got such such a good shine. No, that's it's just Sandra Bullock. Yeah, no. Uh, yes. I didn't, nope. yeah. Well, yeah. There we go. But anyway, there was a point in between Christmas and New Year's that was actually, a, <laughs> from a personal standpoint, a very... I thought a very monumental moment for me is when we were doing the experiential training that we did last week, which mm -hmm. I appreciate Todd for saying. So experiential training here at Blue Ridge, right? Here at Blue Ridge, yeah, which mm -hmm. was very cool, man. I had a um, what I would call another step one experience for me. Um, I, I just kind of noticed something about about what the trainer, the trainer, the guy was talking about and how it kind of resonated within me and some things that I need to take a look at going forward, and it's leading me down a different path that I never hadn't really quite gone down yet, but uh, not to get into too much detail about that, but it was a very powerful moment. Did Mark do the yeah. training? Yeah, yeah, Mark Pimsley. He always makes mm -hmm. people cry. Yeah, that's what I say. You, Mark's good. He'd be like, hey, yeah. just yeah. pick out a bee, baby. No big deal. Yeah. See like, what, what? Uh, tell me, tell me what Why'd it reminds you, you of. That? And then 20 minutes later, <laughs> you're reliving some traumatic experience <laughs> and balling, and then you get done. You're like, man, that felt great. And then, oh, then he wants his his beanie baby back yeah, you're like no i want this like, yeah no, i need to keep this you can find it on ebay yeah. it's probably one sorry of those rare five thousand yeah. yeah 
He's great. That's awesome. <laughs> well, it was really what it was was I noticed some things that I haven't um, that I haven't quite healed. You know, just the way that my brain responds to certain situations and the way that he talked about it and how it kind of it, it definitely a light bulb popped on. I had one of those moments, man. Um, so I'm gonna take some action into a certain avenue of my life to continue to heal and get better and improve. And I'm like, as always in anything like that, I'm scared to death of it, but I'm also excited about it at the same time. I like how your light bulb comment and, and Marcus played the Dean just at the right. Exactly. Time. I did that. We actually have a new sound effect. Yeah. Yes. In the, uh, booth. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even need Kent for it. Just Marcus was taking care of it. And Graham right. too, apparently. Well, I was making sure it wasn't me dinging. It's not. Okay. Just Marcos. That's my fault. My bad. <laughs> I thought it was a perfect timing. It, the second one threw it off, but the first one was perfect. Right? Yes. Light bulb moment. Ding. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly how it happened. It's I, had a, I had a similar thing. I've done the experiential training. Uh, I've done it here at Blue Ridge when we did it a couple of years ago. And then I've done it just in, in classes with Mark too. And I should know better because I'm, I typically volunteer. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in and try right. that, you know? Yep. And it's almost like, uh, I know what I'm getting myself into, but at the same time, I always think like, yeah, I've done this before this, you know, there's nothing new that's in the closet that's about to come out, you know? And then by the end of it, it's like, Oh yeah. Wow. No, that's what's cool about it. You can do the same experiential piece mm -hmm. for everybody and they'll see a different thing, yep. you know. Yep. I think you need to do one on the, the selfishness in the jail. You know what I mean? <laughs> like where did <clears throat> we could reenact like a yeah. gym scene, you know. Yes. I don't know, that's that's probably a good question. It literally the amount of people makes my anxiety go up. I've never you know, I've never I've never felt like that before until actually the past couple of years with other things. Well, too. earlier it was about them using your machine, right? Yeah. Grand machine. Yeah. No, that's where the anxiety comes from. It's like you're touching something that's mine. No, if you just ask, I'm happy to. I'm happy to let you jump in and share. But nice. So there it is. We're getting to the crux of it. Yeah, right there. You're when you were little, you somebody didn't share with probably, you. probably <laughs> they stole the pinpoint. They didn't ask. Well, need to pinpoint that. Reenact this yeah. really quick. Yeah, get the colored uh, scarves the scarves, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. sure. I'll yeah. be the role of your, you know, whatever. Just set the chair. I'll start talking yeah. to them. They're right there. <laughs> and I want to get you every time too. Talking to yourself or yeah. whoever it is. It's good stuff. Maybe he'll he'll add like a, a weightlifting thing to his Beanie Baby collection. Mark, mm. yeah, be good. It's <laughs> true. We'll help you out. Oh well. How are you going to transition there? <laughs> I was just trying to think this. that I didn't have anything there. Speaking of experiential training, nope. I, don't know. I don't know how to transition there. That didn't work. We are going to wrap up though. Loving someone in addiction. I think we talked for the past two and remind me if I he did good there. Yeah, well, I was gonna go down the road of like Beanie Baby, like a rebranding of the Beanie Babies. Yeah, you know, it's similar to what we have to do in recovery because it's yeah. a new year. Start to rebrand ourselves, and it looks different. Yeah, in your early recovery, mid recovery, late recovery. You know what I mean? Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that's true. So we talked what early recovery. Or not even recovery, like non-contemplative stage. Probably. And then we talked uh, early recovery. And then Brian was going to talk about what, mid-recovery? I don't know. 
I have absolutely Maybe. no idea Maybe what you guys want to talk about. We are literally just making or it up Lord. as we go, but that's okay. This is not Lord of the Rings. So. Okay. Well, the, the baby, because we're talking about loving the person in addiction, right? right? Because we could we could talk about our experience in early recovery and what that looks like and psychic changes and, and all that kind of stuff. But what we're talking about is having a loved one or somebody we care about that's going through recovery and, and what is that going to look like so we can prepare ourselves, right? right? Yes. So... You know, for me, it's always interesting because, you know, a lot of what we talked about is so many of the changes that take place, it takes, it takes a while to get there, right? And so we, we want to look at the addict or the alcoholic who's going through it. We want to see these massive changes right away. And as an addict and an alcoholic, I want to see these changes happen right away. But the tricky thing is, is it takes a while. Uh, it takes a while for that psychic change to take place, the spiritual right. awakening or the spiritual experience, whatever anybody wants to call it. And so, you know, what can we do in the meantime as we're going through this and you know i know you guys were talking about you know the resolutions and i made the joke that i don't you know like resolutions but everybody mm -hmm. talks about it this time of year and a lot of addicts and alcoholics do the same thing i've made a lot of resolutions in my life and obviously yeah. none of them worked um so something that somebody taught me a long time ago is a big difference between a resolution and a decision a resolution is simply a declaration i'm going to do this and that's great, and I can make that resolution all day long, but if there's no action behind it, it doesn't turn into the decision. And there's the difference is I'm going to make a decision, so I'm going to do something different. So you guys talked a lot about in the last two episodes about what you can do to help the person make that decision, ultimately get right. them to, to make that decision. But now, okay, now that they've made that decision, now what? You know, because it gets tricky as a family, a loved one, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a wife, a husband, a mom, a dad a brother, a sister, or a friend, you know, what role do I play in this person's life? What can I do? Am I getting in the way? What's the difference yeah. between loving and enabling? You know, yeah. what does that look like? Um, and these things are tricky in my experience. Um, and all I know what to do is to continue to do the best that I can to work on myself. Right? Right. Continue to, well, if this person's doing something and I like that, okay, great. Or if I don't like that, okay, well, what about it in my within myself is disturbing me? So I can continue to hold those boundaries within myself. I can continue to work on myself so I can show up in the best way that I can going forward. But always knowing that my internal condition is not based on what somebody else is doing. It's based on my reaction or my response to whatever is happening. So you guys can certainly talk more about, you know, what it looks like to be there for that person as they're going through it. For me, um, I like I like I said, you know, before, I think what I see the shift in that person and the addict and the alcoholic that's going through it as they're making that decision, you see that backed up by action, a lot of different action than what I would have seen before. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll start to see what I consider to be like a little modicums of hope is mm -hmm. shining because I didn't have any hope. And a lot of us don't when we come in to treatment or recovery, we get sober or whatever. Like once you start to see that, like that hope. And the action that backs up that that decision. Okay, now I've got a pretty good feeling that this person is going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I think that because when you were thinking about when you were saying that, I was kind of thinking that it looks like I think it looks different for a lot of different people. Yeah. But the universal stuff because I was trying to think like what is universal because I think it's probably pretty similar to what you're saying. There is hope. There's something different about the individual. You know, and sometimes that could even look bad. You know, like I know for for my family, I was uh, far easier, far uh, more okay with just letting them know how I felt about them, <laughs> and not always in good ways. Because <laughs> uh, you know, I was like, whatever. 
Yeah. You know, new year, new market. <laughs> That's so right. right. How you like me now? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there was, so there was pieces that I think that were kind of negative, but they were positive in a weird way for me. Mm-hmm. And I think for some people that it's uh it'll look different, but I, but I do think that you'll see like a more authentic them. And if the family's also in recovery too, then I think that, that the person in recovery is going to see a more authentic them too. You know, Expl- explain what you just said there. You said if the family is in recovery too. So, for example, important. if the if the family member, friend, aunt, uncle, cousin, brother, sister, mm-hmm. whoever has a sponsor is attending Al-Anon, perhaps even in some kind of counseling or therapy or or some kind of recovery process, that they're gonna they're gonna react and connect differently, right? So there's just things that you're gonna use more. Mm-hmm. Like there was a I don't know if you guys ever saw. Back in the day, there was a movie, Stuart Saves His Family. I don't know if you ever see it. Mouse. Mouse. Was Sandra Bullock in it? No. No, (laughs) This was a Saturday Night Live spoof. It's an old movie. But they they were talking about, like, it was was kind of making fun of recovery. Look what I can do, Stuart. No, he was Saturday Night Live. God, that was good. But it's it's an old movie. But I'll I'll give a different reference. Just making sure. No, Sandra Bullock. But she does do good movies. She's not that <laughs> but when the family's in recovery, it looks different. You know, conversations, arguments that normally would have been there aren't going to be there. They're going to be more apt to hold boundaries and leave it at that. The person in recovery, even though if they get upset, chances are there's going to be some part where they go call their sponsor, another mentor, or go to a meeting. You know, mm-hmm. like I would leave a lot of family events to go to a meeting. You know, be like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> Because I knew something was going to happen or there'd be, you know, drinking or something that made me uncomfortable. Or maybe I just felt uncomfortable when I would go. Mm-hmm. So there's just different stuff that I think you'll be able to see, you know. And I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but you'll see different behaviors more involved with the recovery on both sides. Yeah, makes sense. So, yeah, that was that was kind of my, my thought on it, but I agree. Yeah. Well, I come from this after watching the entire... So Yellowstone series um, on on COVID quarantine from season one, show one till <laughs> the end. They're long, so I, I kind of look at it in this term of, you know, when you're out using, you know, running and gunning, you almost become branded. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the way they brand cows or whatever. You become a part of this thing. You know, in my community. There was a group of us that, that were known not to be the ones you really need to hang out with. You know what I mean, we were branded per se. And then when you move into recovery and you're more or less trying to walk away or being code, you need to walk away from that brand. Um, yet, you know, even in Yellowstone and cats, they would brand themselves the, the actual people. Uh, and if you didn't line up with what they said, they they cut the brand off you you know skin and all and you know that's similar i was thinking i was like that's kind of what it feels like you know getting sober is you're asking me to give up everything that i've known to be my world and now i belong to nothing you know what i mean so it's it's like one of those rebrandings per se of like marcos was saying is like you can be in a family event because my parents did this they panicked when i said hey 
I was at home and, and I said, hey, I was supposed to be there a week. And I said, three days in, hey, can y'all take me back to home? And I meant treatment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they were like, what? Why? I was like, I just, I don't, I, I'm not comfortable here right now. You know, I've had thoughts of using all, and they panicked, you know, and though I'm doing the right things I'm taught to do, yeah. they resorted back to old behaviors mm-hmm. tried to control, tried to demand a pack up right then. You know what I mean? <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And it, it for the addict and alcoholic, it, it's a tough thing for the family to see them doing the work they need to do and not intervene in old behaviors and old ways, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's one of those that, as we talk about the, the rebranding per se of the addict and alcoholic, the family's got to do the same because mm-hmm. the family, I look at like a, um, you ever came across a beggar that's begging for change? And you ever see them, you throw something in it that they don't necessarily want. Let's just say you got some pennies in your pocket, throw it in. (laughs) Not, they didn't want that. You know, families do that all the time as they beg for change. And then when change comes, they don't like the way it looks, you know, because they are sick themselves and and have this dependency on the person. So I want to take care of them or I want this or I want that. And, And that's what I think the powerful thing you're talking about is having people in recovery with the person in recovery because if you don't it's probably going to look very different to that family member as that person tries to heal because their struggles are are not going to be masked with drugs or alcohol it's hopefully they're more open about hey this is where i'm at and this what's now over time i learned what not to say to my family right you know it's like hey i'm just gonna go to a meeting you know why is everything you know yeah yeah and it's like instead of having the meeting out there in my kitchen, I'm able to say, "No, I'm fine. I just need to go be around my people." Yeah. You know, so I think it's it's hard sometimes for the family to take a step back. You know what I mean, and not try to control when the person's actually healing and rebranding themselves because at the end of the day, what they see is a different behavior, but they'll panic when somebody right. says, "Well, I'm having thoughts of using," you know, and not realize that's what we're supposed to be. Talking, talking about yeah. yeah which from my our profession from our side when i hear you say that i'm like man that's look at the growth in this person you right. know what i mean they noticed yeah. in, a, in a stressful situation right. hey i need to i need to go home or i need right. to go back yeah. to treatment i need to go back to where you know i'm safe because i'm not right. equipped for this and i love when you talk about rebranding themselves because what i think when i hear that is well i also think of the word identity right when you say rebranding, I think, all right, well, your identity is changing. And it's almost like the person in recovery is changing too, because it gets to a point of you have to accept that I have this, right? And this is something I have to deal with. And these are the things that I need to change. And when you truly believe that about yourself, when you believe like this is, I've accepted this, that's when change can start happening, right? right. It's when you haven't accepted it, that you just start spinning your wheels, you know what I mean? And things don't, things don't start shifting the magic doesn't happen. And I think the same is with families when they think like, okay, I've met this goal. I got my loved one in the treatment, right? Everything should, should change now in me and in them. And they can't get in recovery too. If they don't start almost rebranding themselves in a way too, and accepting the fact that we are a family in recovery, right? Or my loved one yeah. is a alcoholic or a drug addict you know it's it's the families typically that think all right they're in treatment that's their problem sweep this under the rug everything's fixed that there are still issues and when they start accepting too that 
there's things I need to change, right? And I need to rebrand myself. And not that you have to go around telling everyone this, but rebranding or re-identifying that I am a mom in recovery. I have a son or a husband or whoever, you know, that's when yeah. it's going to make it easier to then actually start changing. Because I think if you, if you try to, if you try to form habits or actions contrary to something that you truly believe, it's never going to work. Right. It's going to fail. But if you actually start believing that I'm in recovery or my loved ones in recovery yeah. or family's in recovery, then your actions and habits will slowly start. Well, and see, here's the crazy part is that's what they want. Yet their mind tells them not to tell mm -hmm. people that you know what I mean? oh, yeah. because yeah. it's a shameful thing or whatever. <laughs> and that's the rebranding of a family. That's what I have to have with my parents was, you know, the community, it was all hush, hush, okay. but it, that, you can't keep that quiet. But you know I mean? do. Right. It's a monster that, that you cannot contain. And at the end of the day, everybody knows who it's impacting. So at some point, families have to rebrand themselves in a way of like, hey, this this is not a shameful thing that's that my son is or my daughter is. Mm -hmm. This is something that's happened to us as a unit. Um, and we're going to heal from it and be better, yeah. you know, and yeah. how can my story be beneficial to, to other people? The only way it's going to be beneficial for other people is both sides have courage to change. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's the beauty of the serenity prayer. The, the, the thing that sticks out to me the most is not that, not that I can't ever change, not that I ever not know what I need to change. It's will I have the courage to do it? Yeah. You know, right. and, and that's the, the key that, I, and I honestly think it's the platform of uh, the relational platform for the alcoholic and addict and the family is it, it they're both going to have to show up with courage, you know, right. I mean, guaranteed. I have yet, and I'm sure they're out there. I'm just using my own personal experience and, and families that I've known, like from my own personal experience, when my family finally had the courage, not only me, but my dad to be very vulnerable and they're already vulnerable about our whole family situation. It brought other people and connections, um, I hate to say out of the woodworks, but they would come out and, you know, my dad gets calls still now. I get them, obviously, still gets calls and says, hey, my my son or my family member right. or this, yeah. you know, people from work that just know, you know, my story, his story, and the amount of people that it's touching is there. So, you know, all that to say, like, when you're courageous enough or ready or in that spot, you know, it's not just about what your loved one did or what you did. Like it can, it can benefit everyone. Yeah. Everybody. Do you everyone. think that's similar to the courage it takes and vulnerability it takes to go to the gym? <laughs> it's very similar. I hopefully, I hopefully they lose yeah, that. Yeah. Believe that's yeah. the exact same thing. We're Maybe saying. Graham can have the courage sure. to take the action to change. To Maybe to help the new people. Summer. Yeah, go no, over no, no, and no. say, help "Hey, let me person. let me help show you how that machine." I works. will help yeah. them by going at I a different time had, to get out of their way. I wouldn't know how that machine works, Graham. You know what I mean? Todd will Todd will show you how it works. Yeah. yeah, I need your help. I'd love to show you, Marco. Thank you. Todd would help me. Because if I get COVID, I'm in the. I'm in let the me bad go to section. this. Let me go to this old timers <laughs> meeting that no newcomers come to, so I don't yeah. have to deal with those cats. What a terrible way of thinking. That's the way you're thinking. <laughs> I know. For all those that you're aware, I made a comment about all the people in the gym, the new gym that are there for New Year's resolutions, and I made a not nice comment, and I take it back. And <laughs> now he's suffering for you it. You can't take it back. <laughs> You threw it out there in the universe, and now it's throwing it back at you. Exactly. The exactly. Is angry at you. I'm accepting that. 
I'm rebranding myself right now <laughs> as you listen. So. There you go. The goal is this week you help one newcomer in the gym. I can do that. Done. Like the Done. really uncool person. Yeah. Yeah. Who's messing up. Super yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> Never been there before. Yeah. Doesn't know what they're doing. Time for Graham to step up. I'm trying to yeah. think how to transition yeah. this. So for all you families out there that have listened to the last three episodes, <laughs> we hope this has been beneficial uh, to you. So the courage to rebrand. The courage to rebrand. The courage to... Ooh, like the we courage talk- to regram. Ooh, yeah. The courage to rebrand. I should make that an did. NFT. Uh, there you go. That's yeah. my yeah. one okay. of one. All right. So for the recap, reach out. You can't do it alone. Yeah. You can't, you can't fix your loved one. The only person you can actually control and fix is yourself. Right. Right. And then, you know, once, once your loved one gets into treatment, that's, that's not the end game. That's not over. Right. You yourself need to get into recovery and that looks different for each person. And if you need help getting in recovery, reach out, talk to someone, have the courage to, to connect with others. Um, any, any final words as we wrap up here? Yeah, so there's one thing over the course of the last three episodes I've been thinking about, particularly the family, having an experience on both sides of things is just how difficult and challenging it is that none of us are ever going to do any of this perfectly. So just kind of show everyone, including yourself, some grace, Mm -hmm. breathe through this thing, lean on the people around you, people like Graham and Todd and Marcos and experts and things like that to help you through all of it because it is challenging, but show yourself some love through the process. Show yourself some great. New year, new you. Well, new we. New we, that's right. We will uh, be back next week. We appreciate all the love this past year and hopefully we'll have some good stuff going forward here in 2022. Um, there it is, the sound effects. We appreciate you listening and we will uh, <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week.